Hello and welcome to Fantasy Life Podcast, Cleveland Browns Team Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. It is a great day to be great, and I am joined, as always, in this edition of the podcast by Fantasy Life Director of Analytics, all-around baller, Mr. McFarlane himself, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. What's up, Dwayne? What's up, Ian? You know, you always get me pumped up, you know, with the intro, and now I got to, like, really bring it. Like, I can't, you know, I can't, no choice. I can't relax. I got to make sure that I'm on my A game. But no, man, yeah. Excited to be here. Deshaun Watson, that's the big question with the Browns. Like, are we going to get the Deshaun Watson that we saw when he was with the Houston Texans? Or are we going to get, you know, what we saw for six games last year? Because there is a very big difference between the two. And it, it's one of those things where every single thing we're going to talk about in this preview it just comes back to what version of Deshaun Watson are we getting? Is it the version that averaged the exact same amount, EPA per dropback, as, um, oh, Zach Wilson last season? Or is it the guy who still, despite being that bad for six games, is a top five quarterback in NFL history and fantasy points per game? Stay tuned for more information on all that. Oh, I'm just kidding. We're getting after it right now, Dwayne. So the interesting part about this offense, because you look at it under Kevin Stefanski, they've ranked 23rd, 26th, and most recently 28th in pass rate over expected. Now, as we always try to do with scheme talk, you got to look at, you know, the scheme relative to what the coach is doing and what the coach was doing relative to who his gyms and Joes were out there. Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett. Yes, I understand when you have Nick Chubb back there, why they wanted to run the damn ball. That said, fun little tip bit from Matthew Barry's 23 things he learned at the combine back in March. Cleveland's offense is going to be really interesting next year. Look for the Browns to add a speed wide receiver. They kind of did with Elijah Moore this offseason to go with Amari Cooper. One source told me they are really going to open up the offense, go five wide, pass a lot. This is going to be the Sean Watson's offense, not Nick Chubbs. They will pass a lot more than folks expect. The question, Dwayne, how much more is a lot more? Because even going back in the Minnesota days, Stefanski, while he does do smart things like rely on play action, he's not afraid to take shots downfield, he has generally run these run-heavy offenses. So when you hear these words that I think are true, I mean, the Browns paid $230 million in guaranteed money for the guy. I'm sure they're going to hand off the reins here eventually. But how much do you think the Browns can go from, again, being a bottom-five offense and pass rate over expected to what? An average group? Is that what we're hoping for? Yeah, I mean, I think the upside is to be in the top 10. Um, you know, I mean, is that where we're going to project them? No, but I definitely, I, I'm definitely forecasting more than last year. Um, I mean, in looking at the offseason moves, they do tend to line up with that narrative, right? You got Kareem Hunt, who is still a free agent right now. Dearness Johnson uh, is gone to the Jaguars. Um, so you now, you, you don't have as, you know, your, your running back room is not loaded like it had been in the past. And then you add Elijah Moore via trade, so you had to put some capital into that. And then you draft Cedric Tillman in round three. Um, so yeah, they didn't get they didn't fire off a first round draft pick because they didn't have one. Um, you know they didn't they didn't fire off you know a, a super high draft pick because they didn't have one to 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 send for a wide receiver. So looking at the draft capital that they had available and looking at the moves that they made, I think they did as much as they could. Right now, maybe they make a push to go get a DeAndre Hopkins or something else. You know, there's been some chatter about a reunion between Hopkins and Watson. So we'll see if any of that plays out. But I think overall, um, when you invest that much in your quarterback and given the chatter we heard, plus the moves following, I think like, you know, as you know, Sigmund Bloom, you know, over uh, at football guys likes to say, you know, you just you're just, you know, following the breadcrumbs, man. You know, it's that drumbeat, the steady yep. drumbeat getting louder and louder for this being a more pass heavy offense. So I think at a minimum, we have to forecast it as being something that, that you know, an offense is going to throw the ball more than what it was last year. 
like to what degree that is, I think that's really the question. I always appreciate Sigmund, you know, putting something that takes me five minutes to say in some like smart, simple, articulate one <laughs> sentence uh, yeah. side of things. Yeah. Kings stay kings, of course. So moving right along to, again, Watson specifically as a fantasy asset. I mentioned it already. Again, 35th among 38 QBs in terms of EPA per dropback, tied with Zach Wilson. Completion percentage over expected, minus 3.2%, just ahead of Carson Wentz for 32nd. I mean, those are stats that add context to what we're seeing because you do need to add some context. The Browns had a top 10 drop rate once he got under center. I mean, that freezing game against the Saints, which, let's face it, the Browns almost, you know, annually have two or three of those games every year where you might as well just throw out the passing numbers. I mean, Browns pass catchers dropped three touchdowns that game. Two were on the same drive so he would have finished with two instead of three touchdowns but again there were flashes here and there but just overwhelmingly Dwayne otherwise it was bad player profiler ranked him 36 in accuracy on short passes surprisingly third intermediate but then 30 freaking eighth when throwing more than 20 yards downfield so it's just like how much can we just throw that out Dwayne because let's face it if last year didn't happen there's no, you know, it was a full season suspension, let's say. And Watson was entering this team. Last time we saw him would have been 2020 when he was making plays with Will Fuller and Duke Johnson. I'm about to cry. Okay. If that just happened though, no 2022 season, he, you know, sat out all 2021 while still on the Texans. What? How much higher would he be, man? Cause you could argue he'd be right there with Lamar Jackson and I Justin Fields. Draft him. Yep. I agree. I, I think you're getting a two round discount. Uh, actually, right now versus like Lamar, Lamar's going end of three round three or four. Three. Yeah, you're getting a multi-round discount. Um, yeah, three to four rounds. So I th- look, I've got him in tier four, which is called swinging for the fences. And basically, like the idea of this tier is, if you don't get a Lamar, you don't get a Justin Fields, you don't get one of the top six quarterbacks, but you truly want to have a shot to to arbitrage those guys. Like Deshaun Watson's the number one name. Like, because he's a guy that's averaged 31 yards per game rushing. Now, he doesn't get, like, the huge design rushing attempts that you get from Lamar. He doesn't get the huge design rushing attempts that you get from Justin Fields. But it was still healthy last year, 13% for the Browns. You could see that squeak up a little bit. Um, the average for the NFL is 7%, so he's almost double, you know, that. And he's a guy that scrambles plenty. Like, his 8% scramble rate is well above the NFL average. So you have 500-yard rushing upside with this guy. And it's someone that could easily throw for 4,500 yards and, you know, give you 30 plus passing touchdowns. So when you add all that up and you're trying to find someone that can offset Josh Allen and you're drafting them in round seven, right, of your best ball draft, like Deshaun Watson has to be the number one name that's coming up in my mind. I mean, the dude led the league in passing yards on a four and 12 Texan in 2020. Like that's. I was when I was writing this up, Dwayne. Again, it was one bad stat after another. Oh my God, he was that bad last year. I don't even remember that. And then I just get to the matter that only Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen have more fantasy points than this guy per game in, in NFL history. Like, and we can get him this cheaply available. So I haven't drafted a ton of him so far. I think I've just more so, again, leaned to a bit more of a first or last approach or, you know, you're not, neither of us, Dwayne, I think I've been going out of our way to draft Amari Cooper the same way we might for, you know, maybe a Calvin Ridley or someone, you know, or a Chase with Burrow. Like, 
I've had more stackable pass catchers, I guess is what I'm trying to say, with the guys going ahead of Watson. But after going through this, and again, just realizing and remembering, I guess, how freaking high this dude's upside is when he is right and when he is out there on the field doing his thing, like it made me want to go and just go out of my way to start drafting a little more Cooper so I can come back and go get to Sean Watson. Because again, man, if we are trying to say, okay, I don't want to draft a Lamar or a Jalen Hurts or a Josh Allen because they are too expensive expensive you got to ask yourself where can i try to get this sort of value this sort of upside later in the draft and the answer is deshaun watson anthony richardson and i think to a lesser extent daniel jones just in terms of who can give us that sort of rushing upside combined with the passing goodness but i think we can say under you know pretty much solid certainty here watson as a passer again literally led the league in passing yards in 2020 Quite a bit, and by quite a bit, I mean a hell of a lot further along than Richardson and even Daniel Jones there. So, like, how much have Watson have you been drafting, Dwayne? Because, again, I haven't got a ton, but after doing this, I, I think I should get a lot more. I've got a decent amount, but I think if you're going to draft, you know, if you're going to max out like Best Ball Mania or, you know, you're going to draft 50 teams, you definitely need to have a section in my mind of your portfolio carved out to take swings on Watson. Um, and I think the tier for swing for the fences is only two people. I think it's Deshaun Watson and Anthony Richardson. Richardson. I don't think Daniel Jones belongs in that tier, and it's it's not a complete knock on him. But we've seen Daniel Jones too long as a passer. Like he's just he's not a great passer. Like it's not going to suddenly change. And for him to get back to his rushing total we saw last year, I think will honestly be hard for Daniel Jones to get to that again. So Anthony Richardson gives you one thousand yard rushing upside. Daniel Jones doesn't give you that. So that's why Richardson could be Justin Fields, right? Yeah. John Watson, what you're hoping is you're getting like an arbitrage play on Patrick Mahomes, right? Um, he's slightly better in the rushing department than Mahomes, you know, and he could push to be close to where Mahomes is, you know, as a passer. Like, I mean, 15.1 fantasy points per game last year in the six games was really bad. But before that, you go back to, you know, 2020, 23.8, obviously didn't play 2021. 2019, 22 points per game, 2018, 21.7. And in his seven games as a rookie before he got hurt, 25 points per game. So this is a guy that can give you that upside to offset a Josh Allen, offset, you know, somebody that's spending a second round pick on Patrick Mahomes. And you're right. There's not, there's not another one like Deshaun Watson once you go past him. So he's a guy that I have been getting decent exposure to. But I want to build out even more plans. I get him a lot when I'm drafting from the end. You know, mm -hmm. uh, when I say the end, like picking in, like pick 10, 11, 12. And in round four, Amari slides back around to me. I take Amari. I don't like taking Amari in round three. I feel like it's just a bit rich. So he'll slide back around those sometimes. You get him in round four. And then you can turn around and grab Watson. And if you don't have Amari, it's, I've, I've been able to pair Watson with Elijah Moore multiple times. You can get him with David and Joku. It's easy with your last pick of the draft. Cedric Tillman's going undrafted. Donovan yeah. Peoples-Jones goes later. So there's still plenty of other stackable options that you can work with Watson. Amari is obviously like our, he's our favorite. But there's a, I mean, I think there's a chance Elijah Moore suddenly is, you know, could perform as well as Watson. Um, are we going to bet on that? No, but it's priced into his ADP. That's why Elijah Moore goes multiple rounds, right? After Amari Cooper, he goes after Deshaun Watson. So yeah, I love getting Watson and I want to build more teams with him.
And again, it's always a two, you know, double-edged sword there. It's like, okay, are we okay with where Watson's going relative to the other quarterbacks? And then are we okay with where he's going relative to everyone else in the draft? And, you know, I thought we had a good discussion on the Ravens edition of this podcast talking about where, yeah, Lamar, just where he's going. It's kind of a tier break before with some of the wide receivers and running backs. And then if it's a longer tier afterwards, like, yeah, I don't mind getting Lamar, uh, you know, over there in round three. I think you could argue a similar sentiment for Watson going in round eight right now. I mean, the wide receivers... Like he's going one spot behind Brandon Cooks. Okay, I still like Quentin. Yeah, Brandon Cooks is not winning your fantasy league. Deshaun no. Watson good. Exactly. So that's about where I'm out on wide receivers anyway. And at running back, man, like, okay, James Conner, Madison, Montgomery. I'm not saying you can't draft those guys, but like we're talking another round basically goes by before we get into the Zach Charbonnets, the AJ Dillon, the Brian Robinson, the Samaje Pirines, who I think can give you. Maybe not as much certainty as someone like James Conner, but at cost, man, I'll take those guys straight up ahead of him. And now you have Deshaun Watson on that squad. So just more and more, man. Like, It's really similar, actually, to what we talked about earlier, where the tier, it's Lamar and Mark Andrews. In this Mm -hmm. range on the draft, the two names that stick out to me most are Deshaun Watson and Darren Waller. Like in that round, like I love Deshaun Watson and Darren Waller. And then, you know, Anthony Richardson is right in that range as well. Um, But I think there's a potential that all those guys have league winning type upside, you know, depending on how you're constructing your, your roster. And even regardless of that, like these are just guys that are super talented, right? They could finish at number one in their position and you're getting them, you know, in the, in the eighties pick, you know, pick between pick Waller's going 80.4 Watson's going 83.8. And look, if you whiff on your round seven or round eight pick here, it's not going to be not going to win underdog best ball mania out of 600,000 teams. But if you're in your 12 team redraft league and you whiff on round eight, that doesn't mean you're dead. If you whiff on round two, round three, one of those quarterbacks, that's, you know, you're going to need a good uh, life vest going on and all that. Watson, where he's going, man, with that upside in mind. Yeah. Again, I'm not, not. Once we're done here, Dwayne, I'm not going to like be booming him up my ranks that much or anything, but it's just more so like going through these drafts now. Really want a lot more, you know, targets. And leaving like yourself Deshaun room. Watson. Yeah. Leaving yourself room to have those sort of builds. Um, you know, if, if another top, top tier quarterback falls in your lap early in a draft, well, fine, you just take them and you adjust. But say it's not working out that way, definitely plan some drafts where Watson's your target. Like he's the guy that you're going to really be aiming for. That doesn't mean you go out and reach to get him, but. I see him slide yeah. in drafts and I've had him, I've had him sliding in drafts where like just yesterday, Jalen hurts. I finally got a share of, cause he fell in the third round. I'm like, I'm not playing. I'm not paying a second round p- price, like on these quarterbacks. Right. And so like I got hurts and of course it's, it's, you know, I'm sitting there staring at Watson, like 15 picks past ADP <laughs> and I'm like, damn it. Um, so I didn't take him in that one because like I already, I was already invested right. in hurts, but there's quite a few drafts like that. And I want to say, I have to go back and look at it, but most of the time I've been getting him past ADP. Look, like Ricky Bobby said, man, first or last. And guess what? Every single NFL player like is capable of dudding and providing you that last place finish, but not everyone is capable of booming and providing you the first place finish. Deshaun Watson is capable of doing that. Running back, we got Nick Chubb, Jerome Ford, 
And, you know, Dwayne, I'll pull up the depth chart, but that's pretty much it. We mentioned in the offseason section, man, Kareem Hunt, unrestricted free agent. Dearness Johnson on the Jaguars, minimal one-year deal. And then they didn't draft anyone. So I understand that, you know, again, they gave up most of their top resources in order to go get the Sean Watson in the first place. They weren't about to add a day one or a day two running back. But we're still talking about, I believe they had seven draft picks, you know, at certain stages throughout the draft to add anybody. And no, they did not is Chubb, Jerome Ford, Demetric Felton, who is more or less a wide receiver, who they call a running back. They'll throw him some design screens and stuff like that. Then John Kelly, man, who I know still has a truther or two out there because who doesn't have a truther out there in the year 2023? But more than anything, man, this is setting up as the Nick Chubb show with a heavy doses of Jerome Ford. So this is, you know, unlike, I guess, Pittsburgh, where we were not excited about Najee Harris, but we were excited about Jalen Warren. I love both these guys here because Nick Chubb, setting up to be the first year of his career where his fantasy workload is actually in line with his real-life talents. Because that's the thing, everyone. I, I understand if you're just a casual fantasy observer and you just can't believe how people are always so down on Nick Chubb, this is why. And maybe it is people like me putting too much into the volume and not enough into the talent. But in terms of Chubb's expected PPR points per game and then what he achieved, 2020, RB28 in his workload, RB9 in realized production. 2021, RB20 workload, RB12 real. Even last year, RB18 expected, RB8 in terms of actual production. So he keeps smashing it. For my money's worth, he's one of the best running backs we've seen maybe ever with the ball in his hands. Only Bo Jackson and Jamal Charles, more career yards per carry. Missed tackles for us, explosive run play rate. You cannot find anything, Dwayne, that paints Chubb as anything other than a legit elite running back. And we can still get him in the second round, sometimes every now and then, even a third round, not usually. So I guess the question is like, what does Jonathan Taylor have that Nick Chubb doesn't other than a better fantasy finish in 2021? Because just looking at these two guys ahead for 2023, I think it's Chubb easily, man. So I have him as my RB7. I kind of want to move up from the RB6 just so I'm not behind on it. And uh, yeah, man, again, I'm not saying he's going to catch 50, 60 passes, but if you had to rank your running backs in terms of who we want to rank the highest that is not going to have definitively this big pass down role, I'd have Chubb number one. Yeah, I think Chubb could be the RB1 overall like this season. Um, He's going to get more routes as well. I don't think it's going to mean a lot because Deshaun Watson is willing to scramble. Deshaun Watson's also a guy that wants to extend plays and look downfield. And Nick Chubb has never really been a target earner, period, right? So we might be willing to give him a bump if, if you know, the receiving core was even a little bit more thin. But I think between Njoku, Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, um, there's certainly some questions there, right? So I think Chubb's going to get a few more targets. I don't expect a lot more, but I think we could see him get 80% of the rushing attempts. Like he could get that much. Um, and if you give him that kind of workload, he could give you that Derrick Henry kind of finish that we've seen, you know, uh, two years ago, three years ago, where you're really pushing for that RB1 spot. I think he and Jonathan Taylor, like, are really the same. I agree. I think yeah. that, you know, Nick Chubb, you're just getting cheaper. I like drafting both of them, right? Jonathan yeah. Taylor, I'm drafting before Chubb just because, you know, if you want your exposure to Jonathan Taylor, that that's just kind of the way the game works. But I think you could make the argument easily that, well, Nick Chubb should actually be ranked ahead of Taylor. Like, I, I mean, look, they're both really good. Jonathan Taylor is a little younger, 24.7 years old going into the season. Chubb's 27.7. But to your point, has never really, truly 
you know, had to take on a huge workload. Now he's got 1,210 career rushing attempts. That is by far the most of the guys that we've got ranked in our top eight between us. Mm-hmm. Now, once you get to number 11 for me, Derek Henry's obviously in first. He's got 1,750 career regular season rushing attempts. Um, so Chubb's up there, but for a guy that's played as long as he has because they've had Kareem Hunt there, um, you know, it's not as high as what we've seen with Henry. So I do think there's RB1 overall upside and just another one of these guys. That's the reason why I'm not taking the quarterbacks in the middle of round two. I'm making them slide. That's why I'm also not willing, you know, a lot of times to take a guy like T Higgins. I'm not taking T Higgins over Nick Chubb. It's just not happening ever. Not even if there's a fire, Dwayne. So yes, all in on Nick Chubb this year where he's going. And it feels good because again, it always scared the shit out of me to put this dude on my fade list. It didn't work out. And Dwayne, he will not be on my fade list this year. I can promise everyone that. The second side of things though, as we mentioned, is Jerome Ford, presumably set up to be the number two RB in this offense. He is getting first RB reps at OTAs with Nick Chubb not participating just because he's Nick Chubb and a veteran. And why does Nick Chubb need to go through OTAs? And reportedly Ford, is quote-unquote set up for a much larger role this season off the board Dwayne RB 50 freaking seven right there next to Chuba Hubbard Kenneth Gainwell and Tajay Spears so no it's not a given that Ford is going to carve out that Kareem Hunt level of you know weekly usage alongside Nick Chubb it is possible though man like when we did see over the years Kareem Hunt exited the picture it did not become the Nick Nick Chubb workhorse RB show it actually became the Nick Chubb and Dearness Johnson show so I do think it is possible that we could see Ford become a bit of a flex with benefits player but even if not man we're talking about a guy going pick 183 just handcuff alone forget any potential to become the pass down back in this offense which i think is on the table to me that's enough of a buy at that adp anyway even if he can't get anything else so from uh just the athletics dame brugler's quick breakdown on ford back in this 2022 pre-draft version of the beast his overall sentiment at the end Ford has room to improve his eyes and timing at the line of scrimmage to be more of a creator, but he has an effective blend of size, strength, and speed with upside catching the football. He can provide a punch to an NFL team's depth chart. That part, Dwayne, blend of size, strength, and speed with upside catching the football tells me that in a pinch, Drum Ford can do everything you want a running back to do across all three, all three uh, downs. The Browns in free agency and in the draft have declined to add anyone else. I understand if we publish this, Dwayne, I think on Friday, and if over the weekend they add, you know, Ezekiel Elliott or they add Leonard Fournette, it's going to change things. But for right now, man, Jerome Ford, one of, if not the best late round running backs out there, thanks to both that potential to slide into the pass down role and, or just being a badass high upside handcuff. Yeah. Um, and the public started to sharpen on this one. You could get Jerome Ford in every single draft in your last round. Like he would be there so often. I just wouldn't take him sometimes just to to take someone else. And now he's starting to climb up. You know, uh, you can't always get him in round 18 of your drafts over on underdog. So the public is definitely starting to catch on to the Jerome Ford. uh, You know, all the coverage is going on, you know, from all the different fantasy analysts and whatnot, but um, was not a very good receiver in college. So I would probably lean towards him not having a role like that. But to your point, like anything's possible. And as a handcuff alone, like he's got value. If, if, if Chubb goes down, clearly, I think Ford's the next guy up. And I will say this, like they spent a fifth round pa- uh, pick on him in 2021 on a team that where they had just re-signed Dearness Johnson to a decent deal. They still had uh, Kareem Hunt, right? And you had Nick Chubb. So they still felt like using a fifth round pick on this guy, planning ahead probably for this season, you know, to have a, a low salary guy. And now the time has come. 
So, yeah, I think Jerome Ford, if suddenly you got a Nick Chubb injury, probably going to be right there in the RB2 range. Um, you know, and if he comes out and performs well, we could be talking about, you know, some RB1 weeks. Moving on to wide receiver, we got Amari Cooper as the top dog, then Elijah Moore, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Cedric Tillman, David Bell, Marquise Goodwin. Hell, Anthony Schwartz and even Jakeem Grant are still on this roster. So it is crowded aside from the top, but it is a nice wide receiver one at the top, Dwayne. 14th in PFF receiving grade last year, 15th in yards per out run. I mean, that was really an impressive, y'all must have forgot, season from Amari Cooper. As two longtime Cowboys fans here, we knew all about you know the boomer bust nature the home away splits and just on occasion especially in 2021 is last year in dallas playing through the pain with enough of these injuries that sapped him of his usual explosiveness but seeing cooper do all of this with jacoby Brissett under center man made it that much more encouraging but as every conversation the browns has to go back to what do we make of what happened after watson was under center just one top 30 ppr performance during watson's long six starts last season so we don't have DeAndre Hopkins there yet. When we did have DeAndre Hopkins there in uh, Houston with Watson, 150 plus targets in all four of their seasons together. So with Cooper, man, he will be somehow 29, not 22. He will be 29 this season. So starting to get up there, not quite at that age 30 age cliff. Again, didn't see anything last year to suggest that he's falling off a cliff. In fact, I thought he looked better just in terms of aesthetically and you know just watching the film. I thought he looked better last year than he did look in 2021. Dwayne, do you think wide receiver 16 area is about right? That's where I have him ranked. I'm with you where I haven't gone off to get him. That's more so been due to wide receivers as a whole being pushed up too much. Like I'm not out on um, Cooper as an upside wide receiver too, but when I'm looking at it and it's like, okay, I can get Lamar or Mark Andrews here or Omari Cooper, I'm just taking the quarterback or tight end and then getting like a Jerry Judy or Keenan Allen around later. Yeah, I have Cooper ranked higher than those guys. But again, I think Cooper is at the start of a pretty long tier. And I'm only going to want to get exposure to him because, again, I want to get more Deshaun Watson overall. I think that's the danger with Amari. You're taking the guy at a beginning of a long, flat tier. Yeah. You know, and it's tough. Now, could he be the top performer in this tier? He could be, but he could also be last place in the tier. You know, so, you know, you could be really overspending, taking him at the end of round three. And with Amari, like, we know he's a wide receiver, too. Like, he's just never fully been able to break out to be that wide receiver. One, we thought last year, maybe, maybe it was about to happen. Um, you know, you talked about Jacoby Brissett. Was that a 25% target share with Brissett? And that fell to 22% with Watson. Um, I do wonder, you know, some of it could just be due to chemistry, right? And they need more time. Overall, like, simply put, like, Watson's been really good, you know, in four of his seasons playing football as, a, you know, at quarterback. So, that's probably the easiest way to look at it. But there's a little bit of a concern because Amari, you know, Ian, he's one of these guys that he wins early in the route. Like he's best if you're letting him get that quick release, create that separation, you hit him on that quick slant route, right? You hit him on the out route. That's not necessarily Watson's strengths. And I, and I think some of Watson's struggles last year were trying to find that way to mesh, you know, with Amari in that style game. If you go back to when really, you know, you're seeing Deshaun Watson at his best, it's like, outside of structure creating plays deandre hopkins just basically saying hey bro just throw it my way like you know it doesn't matter if i'm open i'm open you know i may not look open but i'm open that's not amari's game so i do think there's some risk here um with amari i think he's still fine he's going to be a wide receiver too but you could get a wide receiver three kind of season out of him um and i think elijah moore honestly ian has a little bit more of that 
I don't want to say dogging him because like Amari Cooper, like he's not a diva. He's not a guy that talks a lot and he's a great, great player. Um, really good player anyway. Um, but he's had a, he's had a, a long career. We know what he is, but Elijah Moore, like, you know, kind of out of structure, running those deep crossers, things like that. I do wonder, right. If that's something that, that Watson gravitates more to, um, because Cooper, like he's not going to beat you downfield on a bunch of contested catches. He's not going to get over the top of the defense a bunch. And I don't know how many of the routes he's really going to be running, right? That Deshaun Watson really loves. So it's it's interesting. I am willing to draft him. I do think we're probably drafting a ceiling though, taking Amari Cooper at the end of round three right now. And I have some shares, but I'm with you. It's like if man, if if, if Lamar Jackson's there, if Mark Andrews is there, honestly, I'm taking Christian Watson over him as well. Uh, I, I know I'm swinging for upside on that, but I just. I like Watson a little bit better than Cooper. And again, I have my Cooper shares and I've, I've paired him plenty of times with Deshaun Watson. Um, I just feel like we're, you know, it's a little rich for me right now. Amari Cooper's more like a, should to be like a mid round four pick, right? Not a late round three pick. About to say, if he was going 12 picks later, now we're putting him right alongside Drake London and Terry McLaurin. And that'd be fantastic. We'd probably be drafting a ton of them independent yeah. of even trying to get Watson out there. Hey, Dwayne, it's uh, May right now. Still got several months. Maybe he will start sliding down there a little bit more. At and a I think, minimum, I, I do hope he slides people, behind those running backs. Yeah, go ahead. And I think people are right. to, to The public's right in thinking this way because we're really talking about a group of, of target earners mm-hmm. that are all similar. So their talent profiles are similar. Amari is a, is a wide receiver two worthy target earner. Just what he's a wide, He was wide receiver one worthy air yards earner last year. So those are the two things we care most about. And he's really tiered with a bunch of other guys that are similar in talent profile. But if Deshaun Watson hits his upside, he's got a better quarterback than Terry McLaurin, right? He's got a better quarterback that we don't have the questions, you know, that we've got with, you know, Drake London. Like we don't even know who the starter is going to be there. And we're making a big bet on a Ritter or, or Sam Howell for McLaurin. So I get why Cooper goes ahead of them, you know, mm-hmm. and so that, you know, I think it's fair. But for me, a lot of it is just, you know, I, I've just struggled to pass, you know, Andrew's. Lamar Jackson, Christian Watson. Christian Watson's the one I take the most often, you know, out of out of all those wide receivers. But it, it's we fair. know we I know, Dwayne. <laughs> I know. No, it's it's good to be out there on, on a limb for your guy Watson, and you have uh, accordingly forced me to draft a little bit more of him as well. So good job by you. I hope. All right, on the rest of these guys. Good note from Rich Rebar. Browns actually ranked uh, 20th in the NFL in 11 personnel last year. That was a nice little improvement from their bottom four marks in 2020 and 2021. So if we are going to see them again, go more in on the five wide sort of stuff that Matthew was talking about in his combine piece. At least we have seen Stefanski start to push that just a little bit like he did last year. So again, Elijah Moore, DPJ. Tillman, Bell, Goodwin, Schwartz, and Grant. Right now, Elijah Moore is standing out as the number two in the group. And I get it. Overall, wide receiver three from week seven through 13 as a rookie behind only Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson. It's just another situation, Dwayne. Similar to Watson, just without, you know, all the other stuff that we don't want to talk about. With Elijah Moore. Yes, 2021, wide receiver three, seven week stretch. I get it. I really wish they didn't rank dead ass last among 80 qualified <laughs> wide receivers in yards per out run, Dwayne. Not wasn't bad. He was dead last. And yes, it was a gross Jets offense. He got outplayed. He got outplayed by Garrett Wilson and Davis. And maybe it was because Garrett Wilson and even to a lesser extent, Corey Davis are good wide receivers in their own right. Garrett Wilson, I'd say great. Corey Davis is better than a lot of people think he is. I know Moore was frustrated. I know he was in the doghouse. 
Dwayne and I would meet up on Sunday nights and laugh about Jeff freaking Smith eating into Moore's routes. I want to start buying in more on him, Dwayne. I guess my only problem that I've faced is like, I don't disagree where he's going that much. It's just well, like the running backs that we love go there. And it exactly. So again, I'm hopeful that as I start getting more Watson, that's going to compel me to, you know, okay, now I'm trying to stack and I'll get Elijah Moore at that point. Excuse that alarm. It's probably just telling me to go get more Deshaun Watson. But from that perspective, I'm okay with it. I just haven't been going out of my way to get Elijah Moore because, again, generally we've been doing a little bit more of an anchor RB approach. And when you get to this point in the draft, it's kind of your last time to go get those RB3s. So thoughts on Moore, Dwayne, because I just don't feel strongly enough to be breaking my roster construction I'm enjoying right now for the guy. I certainly see the pathway to where he booms this year, though. Yeah, I agree. And then there's also going to be, you know, I've been toying around a lot like lately whenever I'm picking, you know, say pick three or four and I'm taking like a Cooper cup or a Tyreek Hill. And then I'm turning around and coming back with Tony Pollard and Ramondre Stevenson. Right. So I'm getting two running backs in my first three rounds instead of one. And in those builds, uh, you know, even if I don't have Watson, like I'm in that range where Moore's going, I've been pulling the trigger more on him. So I think a lot of it does really come back to your construction. If you only started with one running back, but you're kind of in that sweet spot, right? Where the Zach Charbonnets and a chains and, um, James Connors, all those different guys, right. That are, that are pushed down the board a bit. Like you can start taking your swings, you know, on those guys. So I think it does come back to construction. Obviously, if you're taking Deshaun Watson, um, it's not too hard to get Elijah Moore with him. I've gotten it multiple times. So to your point, that's another reason that you might take the swing on more. So I think a lot of it does come back to, you know, really your, your construction. What I will say about more, um, Obviously, he had that great year one. You already talked about it. He did flash that wide receiver two level talent um, as far as target earning and air yards as a rookie. And then it really, really fell off last year. He only had a 10% target share. That's just in the games he played. These numbers that I give you guys are always adjusted. They get rid of the games where they don't play. Um, 16% air yard share. That's terrible. Like, that's terrible. That's not even like a wide receiver six number. And so I went back and ran the comps on this. Um, you know, looking at guys that started off so good like Elijah Moore, and then in the second year came out and did this. And here are the names that the, uh, you know, that the computers spat out at me in uh, Corderell Patterson. So oh. love for you there. Yeah. Wow. This is Jr. <laughs> and Devin Funches. So it's, you know, and again, I, I only ran it back to 2011. So he has a 33% uh, chance of being a future Hall of Famer joining. <laughs> well, and Patterson never really did it until they moved him to running back. So that's true. It's, I think Small it's a tricky detail. thing, but, but I will say uh, more flashed in a bigger way than any of those guys as a rookie, like his rookie flash was definitely brighter and hotter than what we got from those guys. So it's not a perfect, this is not a perfect way to look at it, but there's a good chance. He's not good. Like there, there is a good chance of that. So again, I'm with you been getting exposure, but I'm really letting the way that I uh, set up my draft dictate when I'm going after more. He's not a guy like, Deontay Johnson for us yeah. where basically every draft no matter what my team looks like I'm like Deontay Johnson Traylon Burks like those names I'm just happy happy to click on them every draft Elijah Moore is much more dictated by how the rest of my draft is shaped up so far I will say I know I've given you know some flack to the random six seven game stretch as a rookie he got hurt after that so it's not like we had to you know look through a bunch of just bad that was going on in the rookie year and say oh look at these six games right here he was ascending and then he wasn't so it is concerning that again we saw garrett wilson just take over so much down the stretch but 
That's also Garrett Wilson. So again, I can see the pathway. And I think uh, your point, Dwayne, about getting two running backs early as opposed to one, those are the sort of lineups where we should be more so down for some more. DPJ, Tillman, they're both really cheap. Do you have a lean towards who gets this job? I kind of think DPJ deserves it, but I wouldn't be shocked if we see them splitting sooner rather than later. I would note DPJ, four top 36 finishes with Watson. Cooper only had two. I mean, he was making some plays, man. He returned a punt for a touchdown last year. I had no idea that he, he was that, you know, loosey-goosey. I thought he was more of just a contested catch guy. So I do like me some DPJ, but... Tillman, like if there's anyone in this offense, like, okay, I don't think Tillman's going to be the slot. I know he's not taking Cooper's job. it make a lot of sense if they use that third round pick to at least rotate a little bit with Peoples-Jones. Yeah, and Peoples-Jones, I think we've seen him long enough to know, like he's not like this high-end player. But when you look at, you know, his air yard share last year, 28%, that is wide receiver two worthy, yeah. right? His targets are not there. That's more like, a, he's more like a wide receiver five. But again, going back to stylistically, how Deshaun Watson likes to play, I think whoever's playing on that outside is more of the vertical contested guy, which Cedric Tillman was really good at in college. Like he was definitely not a burn you over the top guy, but he had a high A dot and he was a guy that could just win those contested battles more like what DeAndre Hopkins. So I think this role could be sneaky as far as who's a good fit with how Deshaun Watson wants to play football. And I think that's what we saw to the numbers that you talked about. I think that's why that played out that way with Donovan Peoples-Jones. So I think it's tricky on which one it's going to be. Um, Peoples-Jones hasn't necessarily been good enough to say that, oh, God, he's going to hold on to it. But Cedric Tillman, he's a third-round pick. It's not like he was a first-round pick. So um, Tillman, you go flip on the games against Alabama, and this dude's Ooh. all world. You know, I mean, Alabama, Alabama has you know some of the best defenders in the world, and they could not defend this guy. He just went off on them. Um, so there's definitely flashes with him. But they're both priced right is what I like, Ian. You know, I mean, you can get Donovan Peoples-Jones right now. I pick 155 overall on underdog, so very easy to pair him up, you know, with Watson. I'm not necessarily going out of my way to get DPJ if I don't have Watson on my team. Um, if, if I really need a receiver and I know, you know, that I just need to take some swings, he can still be in the queue. Um, but I like getting Tillman when I am getting Watson because you get him for abs- absolutely for free. He's going yeah. – you can get him in the last round. He's going undrafted. So if it does hit, and don't do this with all of your Watson teams, but if he does hit, that gives you a way to really be unique, potentially late in the season. One thing you can do, one way to do that is by having guys that nobody's really drafting. And and, and when we think about the fact that they didn't have an early round pick to spend and they prioritized Tillman, like that tells you what they think about him. And that's really all we care about. Um, So I, I do like Tillman getting him late. If you had to pick the favorite, I do think you have to say DPJ. After the top 50 or so wide receivers, it's I really move on to trying to target more so the rookies. I've already got four or five really good wide receivers, you know, at that point. So I'm not adding too many. And at that point, it's like, okay, we got Mingo. And then, you know, we slide down a little bit further and you see Jaden Reed from Green Bay. I think Marvin Mims has some upside. But to your point, man, all the way at the end, way cheaper than even those guys comes in Cedric Tillman. So even independent of Watson lineups, I've been happy to get some Cedric Tillman all across the board, DPJ definitely more so contingent on already having Watson 
Finally, guys, we got some tight ends to talk. The Joku, Harrison Bryant, and old Texans friend Jordan Aikens added to the fold. Last year with Njoku, similar boat as Cooper. Really good throughout the year, and then not so much with Watson under center. However, I will say just the fact that we saw Njoku play over 90% of the snaps in all but five games, it goes to show you, Dwayne, that we don't have to worry about, you know, when the Browns paid Austin Hooper $50 million plus and kept him in a three-tight end committee. It really is the Dave and the Joku show. So last year, six in PFF receiving grade among 47 qualified tight ends top 12 in yards per route run targets per route run yards after the catch per reception he's really really freaking good yeah he's a top eight top nine tight end he's right there in a tier with evan ingram and pat fryermuth have you gone out of your way though to really get in the joku or is he that's just what he is and we should be happy about it that's just what he is but like once you get to that end of that tier right i mean hope you have a tight end Yeah, I mean, now you could you could swing on Kincaid or Schultz or Oconquo, you know, or Dulcich, but I, w- I would rather those guys be my tight end too, if possible, if I'm yep. going to have them on a team. Uh, I do feel like Njoku is kind of the line you draw where you're like, okay, do you have your tight end one or not? Now, it doesn't mean you have to have one by then, but if I don't, I am more likely, you know, to wait a little bit more. Um, and, and those other guys do start, like, there's kind of a gap. Like, he goes at pick 103, Kincaid's not till 117, Schultz is 130, so... It's, you know, you can kind of, based on ADP alone, you can wait like another round or two once you get past Njoku. But I don't ha- I've not been overexposed on him. Like last year I was. Like Njoku was a major, major target for me. Um, he's and, and of course, last year he was cheaper, right? ADP is more this year. So that's the main thing is that he costs more to get. I do wonder about Aikens a little bit because his specialty is really just a receiver, right? Yeah. And he he's he's put up some nice numbers here or there. Um, you know, as a guy that can work in the slot and do some things like that. And then, you know, there's, I always get gun shy with Stefanski, but we've seen him rotate these guys before. Um, so if Njoku's at that 75, 80%, like he's going to be fine, you know, and, and, and main point, he does have the talent, right? So the talent profile is there. It's not elite, but it's solid. So we can feel pretty good about it. I, I do just, for whatever reason, and I just got a little bit of a weird feeling that we might see a little bit more of a rotation than what we saw last year. And hey, it's been in Kevin Stefanski's past, you know, even going back to some of the Minnesota days. So wouldn't be shocked if he turns it on again. But again, we're in a joke who's already kind of going bottom of that tier. I'm not completely shot away. Takes us to the win total, Dwayne. It is sitting at nine, pretty much, you know, straight up even odds on that. Browns have finished 11 and five, eight and nine, most recently seven and 10 in three seasons under Stefanski. They did only go two and six in games decided by eight or fewer points last season. I mean, the freaking Jets game, they had no business losing that. Even the Chargers game in week five, another game you would have liked them to win. A couple other close ones throughout that as well. And that was with Jacoby under center. So, yes. I totally get it. If they're getting the best version of Deshaun Watson out there this year, they should beat this. But even then, man, as we've kind of said at the end of each and every one of these previous for AFC North, it's a really tight division. They're going to have four games a year against Burrow and Lamar Jackson and two more against the Steelers team that continues to give them an awful lot of tough football games. So overall, man, if I was more confident in one side of this ball already being elite, I think I'd be more willing to take the over. But this is the 20th-ranked scoring defense, too, man. All due respect to Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward, but they have not really lifted and elevated the rest of that group to elite heights at any point here over the past three, four years. So I'm taking under nine. Not my favorite bet of the division. I think if I had to say my favorite bet of division, it'd be the Bengals over, but I'm going under nine wins. I think there's a non-zero possibility the Browns pay $230 million for an average quarterback at this point, which would be sad for them. I think it's possible, though. Yeah, I'll take the over. 
Um, I mean, I just, I'm betting on four good years from Deshaun Watson versus one bad. Um, and if he's good, like they're going to win 10 games or more. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough division though, to your point. I mean, it's pretty stacked. I mean, we've already got the Ravens who had a, they're projected for 10 wins. You've got the Bengals projected for 11 and a half. I took slightly under on the, on the Bengals. Um, so I left myself a little bit of room to still have an over here for the Browns. <laughs> so that was I'm, kind of, yeah. I'm over, over on the Ravens and Bengals under on the Steelers and Browns. So yeah, can't, can't go all over under on a one division out here. We have one of them. What was that? That, uh, it's like every team's going to be around like 500. Oh, the, uh, AFC East, I think was kind of tough with that, but you know, Vegas pretty good at their jobs to win. I like to think we're pretty good at our jobs. And even if we're not, we're going to keep on talking like we are, Dwayne. Fantasy team previews out all throughout the month of May and June, getting you guys caught up for the 2023 season and just, you know, in life, but mostly the 2023 season and fantasy football side of things. So make sure you guys keep checking those out. Fantasylife.com, Fantasy Life newsletter, Fantasy Life YouTube page, all that and much, much more. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in to another edition of the Fantasy Life podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.